You can be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be there this morning. Um, public announcement here. I understand that uh, there's possibility of a little snow coming our way. You may want to pick up your phone and you may want to look at that. If you get that radar, make a decision for yourself where that's at. Can the ushers hear me in the back? Don't know. Um, if you're nervous about that and getting off this hill, just feel free to uh, do what you think you need to do. That will be just fine. Don't want to keep anybody here. Also, don't want to shorten my lesson this morning. <laughs> just saying. Um, but anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. If it, if it starts to uh, look like it's going to get bad, I think there's a 20% chance, but radar may show it's a little closer than that. So we'll keep an eye on that. Let me see if I can do this right. Good morning. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. Spencer is not here today. And I'm filling in. Spencer told me about a month ago that uh, he needed me to fill in for him on this Sunday. And that is too much time for me, I'm going to tell you. That is, has, uh, I don't need that much time because I think about too many things and I changed my lesson too many times. And, and it was really not until this week that I decided what I was going to talk about. And if you look in the bulletin, you will see that it says... It's never too late. Don't go to sleep yet. This is not that first of the year New Year's resolution that you've heard over and over. I don't even believe in New Year's resolutions. I don't think I've ever made a New Year's resolution in my life. So I don't think I'd present a lesson like that, although there may be parts of this that seem familiar to that. I've been to about five funerals in the last two weeks. That'll get you to thinking a little bit. And at the last, at least the last two funerals that I went to this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, there was a thought, and I heard it at the first one, but I really heard it at the second one, and they were just two days apart. And I thought, that's odd. It's never too late. Do you think that it's ironic? I kind of do. That the thought, it's never too late, is being presented at a funeral which is like the, the last thing we do. And if there's anything that says there is a cutoff, it's a funeral. And I got to thinking about that just a little bit, and so I did a little study and looking, and I came up with this lesson. It's never too late until it's too late. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 15 and 16. Marvin just read this a minute ago. <clears throat> See then that you walk cautiously, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. If you're wise, you'll redeem the time. Time is something that is a commodity. Time is something that we all have a little of. In fact, time is a great equalizer. You don't have more than me, I don't have more than you. 
60 seconds in a minute, same for you, same for me. 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, on and on. It's all the same. Same for you, same for me. Sometimes we get to thinking our time is more important than somebody else's time. I don't know how you look at that, but I think it's about the same. How do you divide that up? What do you do with your time? How do you make that work for you? The author of Ephesians is telling us, you need to make the most of that time. You need to redeem that time. In other words, you need to be responsible right now. It's never too late sometimes until it's too late. Point number one, it's never too late to make a good impression. It's never too late to make a good impression. If you look back at verse 14, he said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. If you're a Christian, Christ is shining on you. And he's not just shining on you to bless you, although he does that, but he's shining on you so you'll shine on somebody else. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, verses 13 through 16 tell us we should be salt and we should be light. We should influence the world in those ways. That's what we're here for. That's our duty. That's what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be taking that light that Jesus is shining on us and we're supposed to be reflecting that to the world around us so we can influence them in a good way. Spencer's going to be speaking about that in here in a week or two. He just started a lesson on the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. If the world is going to see Christ shining from us, what does that look like? Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says that Jesus was a man who went about doing good. And that's pretty simple. Jesus was a man who went about doing good. So if we're going to be like him, we need to be going about doing good. To be more specific, you can back up to chapter 4 and verse 32, and we'll read into chapter 5. It says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. These verses tell us that if we are a Christian, if we're a follower of Christ, if we're shining our light, our light is going to look like kindness, it's going to look like forgiveness, and it's going to look like love. Because that's what God is and that's what Jesus is. And we want to reflect that to the world. It's never too late to make a good impression. But sometimes it's too late to make a good first impression. Let me say it again. It's never too late to make a good impression, but sometimes it's too late to make a good first impression. Do you think about your first impression? That's what it's really all about making a good first impression. Sometimes we get judged harder 
on the first impression than anything else. Sometimes people don't get past the first impression. This can go a lot of different directions, and you're thinking things in your mind, and I'm thinking things in mine. There, I want to bring up just a little story. It's kind of interesting. It happened to me just last week, and, and we always come up with, the, you know, the we got to be good to the, the girls waiting the table, and we got to be good to the checkout girl in the, in the checkout line, this and that. This is true. Last Friday night, um, I went to Bill's, and it was about 9 o'clock, and um, I generally go in there, and I get milk, and I get bananas. And so I got my milk and I got my bananas. And there probably weren't nine or ten people in the store. The people that were working there were kind of spread out. They were stocking and doing whatever. But there was one girl checking. Well, when I come around the corner, it just so happened that about four of the nine or ten people in there hit the cash register at the same time. And I kind of thought, uh-oh. But I heard this voice and this man, this woman, this older man and woman about my age, they were standing in line, and he said, man, you would think that they would have enough checkers to take care of this. You would think that they were prepared. And I looked at him, I thought, he's not talking to me, he wasn't looking at me. He wasn't talking to his wife, he wasn't looking at her. He was looking right at the little girl checking out. And she was just working, trying to get to him so she could take care of him. And about that time, a girl came out of the office and she walked up to the next register, like they do most of the time. And she said, next. He stepped over. She had him checked out in about 30 seconds. And she turned and she, or she said, sir, would you like to have your receipt? He said, yes, I would like to have my receipt if you don't mind. Now, I didn't add anything to that. That's how he spoke. What was my first impression of him? He may be a great guy. He may be a, a perfect grandfather. He may be a loving husband. He may be a lot of things, but at that particular instant, to me, he was not much of a good influence in my life. He was kind of a downer. It's never too late to make a good impression on folks. Sometimes it's too late to make a good first impression. We need to remember that as we go through our lives. Point number two, it's never too late to be thankful. If you look at verse 17, he said, Wherefore be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, now the will of the Lord can be a lot of different things, and that's another sermon to itself. But if you look... At 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In this instance that he's talking about, the will of God is giving thanks. And so you go back to Ephesians and you read a little bit more with that in mind. Verse 17 and following, he said, Wherefore be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Kelly Phipps taught a lesson on that about three or four years ago. And I was pretty impressed. He took these verses that usually we center on 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and 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 we we kind of center on that and you, and you almost miss the next verse it's all about giving thanks the way that you go about worshiping god all begins with giving thanks a thankful heart how do you approach it it can change your life and do you know what's it's amazing after that with that in mind when I studied, it's amazing how many times that jumped out at me that it never did before. And it's, it's amazing how many times you can look and, and the thankfulness that God asks from us is a, is a topic that we should work on a little harder. Being thankful to God for the things that He gives us. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and it cometh down from the Father of light. God gave us not only physical blessings and gifts, and it's an amazing world that we live in. God has done some wonderful things in my life, and I know he has in yours. And Sometimes we take those things for granted. God has done some incredible things spiritually for us. God gave us his son. God gave us the church. God has given us his marvelous grace. 2 Corinthians 9 and 15 says, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift of grace. You know, thankfulness is not just when we sit down to eat. Thankfulness is not just when we lay down at night and go to bed. This should be ingrained in the way that we live our lives and in our worship to God. And if you can put thankfulness out there, you're going to find a better quality of life. It's never too late to be thankful. One of the things that goes along with that, one of the gifts that God gives us, is children. It's never too late to be a Christian parent. God has given us children, and it's a blessing in our life. It's a blessing in our congregation. There are congregations that don't have children. That's sad. We are blessed with that. Many of you are blessed with that in your lives. Psalms, chapter 127, starting with verse 3, says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. God gave me a quiver that was full at two. Some of you have bigger quivers than that. Children are a blessing in our lives. And when we think of it's never too late, to be that good parent, you know? It's never too late to start, but sometimes it can be. Children grow up, don't they? Only Peter Pan gets to be a kid forever. There's not a real never-never land. Children grow up. They're still a blessing, but it's in a different way, and we, and we lose an opportunity to teach and train in that special way. We need to redeem the time when they're young. 
because they won't stay young. One of the funerals, uh, one of the thoughts that went through my mind, one of the guys that used the application, uh, it's never too late, he talked about this man that was a great father and a great grandfather. His family was there, and, and he did some really good things and influenced them in a really good way. said he always had time to take his kids fishing, teach them to fish, and his grandkids, and he, he loved that, and that's what he would give them time. And you know, we need to be able to do that in some way. We need to give our children some of our time because they won't stay long, young forever. I can remember, and, and you may relate to this, you, you, your kids are little and you, you think, man, I cannot wait to get them out of diapers. I cannot wait to buy the last diaper. And boy, the day finally came we didn't have to buy any more diapers, and I was so happy. That was a great day in my life. But it seems like that I just took a breath and turned around, and they're asking for the car keys. You guys relate to that? Looking back, they grow so fast. You guys that have your kids little right now, You'll know what I mean one of these days. But they grow up fast. We don't have them little forever. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If you go back to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament... Starting with chapter 6 and verse 5, he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. When's a good time to teach your children? Right now, all the time. You know, we spend <clears throat> a lot of time teaching our children to grow up, be successful, be good citizens, be well-balanced, be healthy. We should do those things. God has blessed us with these children. He expects us to take care of them. And we want them to grow up right. But should we not, as we train them for this life, be training them for an eternity in heaven? Do we not owe it to them to see that they understand that they have a future somewhere besides here? Can we not do that at the same time? And we should. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I don't think Jesus' life was compartmentalized. I don't think that he was this and this and this and this. I think he was all those things. And I think those were intermingled. And I think as he grew in wisdom and stature, at the same time, he grew in favor with God. 
I think that's how it works, and I think we need to be aware of that. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that. They're not going to stay little forever. We need to be making that time valuable right now. It's never too late to tuck your kids in. It's never too late to tuck your kids in and pray with them. It's never too late to read them Bible stories. It's never too late to take them to Bible class. It's never too late to show them what Christian servitude looks like until it's too late. We need to redeem the time while they're young. And I also say that if you're sitting there and your children are grown, if you haven't realized that in your life, you need to be honest with them. It's never too late to be honest with them. Tell them you weren't a perfect parent. Tell them there's things you wish you had done and you've learned as you've grown. See if you can't influence them now. It's never too late to work on your marriage. Excuse me. It's never too late to work on your marriage. This is another gift that God gives mankind. It's marriage. I understand this is a topic that's painful for some of you sitting here today. I love you and I ask for your forgiveness as I discuss this, if you're uncomfortable. But there are those here who need desperately to hear this message. We're studying this in our young professionals class on Wednesday nights. We have a seminar planned in two weeks from this weekend here at the building on marriages. We have retreats coming up this year for men and for women and for men and women. We cannot sit back and watch Satan ruin marriages without fighting back. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also excuse me, loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own husbands. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
For this, shall, this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I can't say it any better than that. That's pretty straight to the point. God puts a premium on marriage. He equals it and makes an analysis of it like Christ and the church. It's very important to him. I'm not perfect by any means. I'm still learning as I go. But I do have 38 years of marriage that I can speak to. Actually, 39 years ago this month, I met my wife. David and Brenda Kennan back there introduced us. We started dating, and David said, you can come to my house when you're here. You can spend the night, stay here. He showed me where the key was. So I was still a single guy, about 1.30 one night. I come and got the key and started coming in the house. He met me coming down the hall with a shotgun. <laughs> I learned another lesson there. We started dating January of 1978. By February, I was sold. By April, she caved in. But we had to get a dress and we had to get a cake. So we settled on August 11th and we got married. Now she found out pretty quick after that that I was still kind of green. I wasn't quite as mature as she thought I was. She had to do some forgiving for us to stay together. She believed in marriage. And she's stubborn. So we stayed together. There's one thing I've done right. I know I've done it right. And I'm going to tell you why. One thing I've done right all of our married life is I tell her I love her. I say, I love you. That sounds easy. I can't say I've done that every day of our married life, but some days I've done it more than once. So it adds up. I think I get credit for that. Now I'm going to tell you how I know that works. When I tell her I love her, I know that she loves me twice as much because of it. Here's how that goes. I say, honey, I love you. And she says, I love you too. <laughs> so I think that means she loves me twice as much. She loves me too. It's never too late to tell your spouse you love them. My wife loves me so much. 
She worries about my heart health. She worries about my exercise. She's kind of like my own personal trainer. She came up with a fitness plan designed especially for me. Just so I can be healthy. You know what she calls it? Moving the furniture. <laughs> That's good for me. Keeps me strong. Keeps me fit. And sometimes I grumble. Sometimes I don't much like exercising that way. But she stays right after me because she loves me. And I exercise. You know, it's never too late to do things with your spouse that they enjoy doing. It's never too late. Do that sometime. What's the best thing you could give your spouse? Candy. Flowers. Jewelry. A back rub. Back rub's a good gift. The most precious gift you can give your spouse, again, is a little bit of that time. Give them a little of your time. That's a precious commodity. Something you can't take back. It means something. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. That's what Ephesians says. It's never too late until it's too late. Life's short. Some of you sitting here know what I'm talking about. I want to ask you something. If you're sitting here, if you're struggling in your marriage, ask for help. That's kind of what some of this is about that we're trying to plan for this year. Ask for help. Don't be embarrassed. One time, I almost drowned. Seriously. And as I almost drowned, I was surrounded, more or less, by my family and two other families, Randy's and Danny's. And they were all just playing and having a big time, enjoying company. And I was out in the lake about to drown. And they didn't even know it. it wasn't their fault. Do you know what I did? I hollered. I hollered for help. I let them know I'm in trouble. Good thing for y'all or you wouldn't have a preacher today. They came and got me. This church is a family. You need to share with your family if you're struggling. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. Don't be embarrassed. You know, I thought I was a pretty good swimmer. I knew it wasn't great, but I thought I was pretty good. 
If I'd have just been so prideful that I didn't want to holler for help, I'd have been drinking, I'd have been drinking lake water pretty quick. But I didn't let pride get in my way. I wasn't embarrassed to holler for help. If you're struggling, ask for some help. Everybody here loves you. Everybody here is rooting for you. You know, we've got people here that understand. Um, we've got some people that have been married a long time here. And I'd say that probably they'd tell you that there's been some struggles along the way, some learning experience along the way. I'm going to try something real quick here. Mr. Jim and Shirley Sanders, 60 in June. 60 in June, that qualifies. Um, Miss Shirley, Gary's in jail today, right? He's sick. I'm sorry to hear that. How many? 65. Billy Jack and Nelda, they're not here this morning either. 65. Would you do me a favor, please? If you've been married 60 years, would you stand up so we can look at you? Close. You're close, Sanders. Would you please? Our young people need to see this. Six, 60 years. If you've been married 60 years... If you've been married 50 years, please stand up. If you would have been married had your spouse been here 50 or 60 years. Is that not a great example? Does that not do something for you? Those people, if you went to them, would tell you, you stay in there. You keep working at it. You'll make it through this. That is your cheering section. If you're struggling, there are people here who understand. They didn't get there without struggles. It's never too late to be good to your spouse until it's too late. Verse 14, again. 15 and 16, paraphrased. Wake up from your sleep. Be wise. Redeem the time. Life does not always give you one more chance. That is a cold, hard fact. But God does. And here is the best part of this lesson. Whatever you've done or haven't done, Wherever you are today, if you're hearing me, you're alive. You're breathing and there's hope. God loves you. And as long as you're breathing, he offers chances to get right with him. And he offers you chances to get right with others around you. You have no reason not to mend those fences. You have no reason not to get right with God. He's given you that time. Tuesday at the funeral for Jerry Turner, Brother Lindell's brother, this thought was presented, it's not too late. It's never too late. 
And in his case, that's true. Mr. Jerry was not a Christian almost all his life. But about six months before he died, he became a Christian. That's a great story. That's a wonderful story because it wasn't too late. There may be somebody sitting here today that hasn't made that decision. There may be somebody sitting here today that's still thinking, God's going to give me another chance and I'm still weighing the options. You got no guarantees. You need to redeem the time. You need to turn your life over to God. You need to put Him at the center of your life and you need to begin to live that good life. If you're not a Christian, you need to be one. You can come forward and you can be baptized for the remission of your sins. You can confess His name. You can be a part of His kingdom on earth. Another great gift that God gives us. You can be a part of this family. If you have struggles in your life and you just want to make those known and have someone care about you and love you and pray for you, you can do that too. And you have that opportunity while we stand and sing. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. 
forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. We'll now have our closing prayer and then our closing song. Before we have a shepherd's prayer, if you are going to exit the building on the south side and the double doors, we have ice coming off the building. The guys are sweeping it up. Be sure and get under an umbrella as you go out those two doors because we don't want anybody getting hit in the head with some ice this morning. North door, I mean. I'm sorry. North door. And just make sure that those guys are there with umbrellas to, when you walk out. Now we have our shepherd's prayer. Actually, I'm not doing the shepherd's prayer. Okay. Um, at this time of the year, uh, we put out the 2018 budget. Uh, on behalf of the elders, I want to thank this congregation for their generous support during the 2017 year. Uh, we look forward to having a great 2018 in our desire to do the Lord's work here at the Valley View Congregation. In the bulletin and on the round table in the foyer, uh, we have a, a summary in the, in, the, in the bulletin and then a little more detailed uh, printout on the, on the table out there. Um, there's a weekly increase in this year's budget from 18,526 to 19,680. The main change